Oncology Data Advisor. On today's episode for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're focusing on misperceptions surrounding metastatic breast cancer. And I'm joined by Janie Metzger, who is a clinical coordinator and nurse navigator at St. Luke's Kuntz Center for Advanced Breast Cancer. Janie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me today. Uh, I'm really excited to share this topic with you. Um, I am the clinical coordinator at St. Luke's Center for Advanced uh, Breast Cancer and the nurse navigator there. Um, So in this clinic, we only treat metastatic breast cancer. We have three treating medical oncologists. And um, so I have, you know, really experienced and learned a lot from these patients. Mm -hmm. So to start off, what are some of the common misperceptions surrounding metastatic breast cancer? You know, I think there's several. I mean, I think that it's not a well-known fact that um, about 30% of women that are diagnosed with early-stage breast cancers will become metastatic at some point. Um, I think sometimes they don't even know what that means. Um, Maybe those conversations are had with their providers at the time of their early-stage diagnosis, but, of course, they're focused on, um, you know, other things at that point in time. And so I think that that piece of information gets lost. And I think we just think that there have been so many advances in breast cancer that, um, you know, surely that, the cure, you know, it's, it's curable, you know, type of thing. And so I think that that's a, um, one of the misperceptions. I mean, I think another misperception is that, you know, and I've had patients even say this, you know, so did they catch this when it's metastatic breast cancer that it's curable? And they'll ask, you know, is, it, is this an early stage metastatic breast cancer? And I think that is a misperception that some people have that, that it, is, um, it is not curable but it is treatable. And I think the, the message today is, is with all the novel therapies um, that, are, that have come out in the last five to 10 years, especially, we have been treating this more effectively and we have been able to, um, you, know, you know, give women hope and, you know, prolong their life with good quality of life. Well, one other misperception I think is that um, if a woman had early stage breast cancer, or, you know, was diagnosed even um, de novo metastatic, that it's because they did something wrong, that they didn't take the right preventative measures, or they didn't do all the treatment that they were supposed to do. And I think that um, that is a misperception that some people have, and one that has some pretty serious consequences for people dealing with metastatic breast cancer. To put this into perspective a little, how many women in the U.S. currently have metastatic breast cancer, and has this changed over time? You know, it has. Previously, the numbers we had were approximately 150,000 women were living with metastatic breast cancer. There were some new numbers that came out in 2020 showing that about 168,000 women have metastatic breast cancer. So at first blush, you might think, oh, wow, more people have metastatic breast cancer um, than ever. But really, what it really means is that um, women are living longer, that many of these women, and like we mentioned earlier, those novel therapies that we have, so many um, new therapies for metastatic breast cancer um, have really increased the length of life and the quality of life for women. Great. That's great to know. So with October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, and obviously we're trying to, you know, raise awareness around the disease. What has the impact been of public awareness campaigns specifically for MBC? You know, I think that it's, it's kind of um, a mixed bag. I think the um, 
October um, as being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Of course, um, in our breast centers, we have a little giveaway, and it's uh, you know definitely a push in October for people to get mammograms and early detection and so forth. I think that's really um, really made an impact on society and culture for the good. I do think that um, that public messaging about the cure and survivorship um, is so pervasive today that um, women that are diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer can often feel very stigmatized by that perception that they failed. And so, you know, I've had women even say to me, yeah, I sort of failed the pink ribbon program. Um, I don't really like pink anymore. You know, those types of things where they feel like they, they're not part of that. And there's sort of that feeling of, you know, I, I you know, failed my um, undergoing annual mammograms or whatever it is that they can put a lot of blame on themselves. And I think that's very detrimental to those dealing with metastatic breast cancer. So I think we need to bring those components, those, that, that message together so that we have better understanding. Definitely. What are some ways that you think we can change this and reframe the conversation? Well, I think more public awareness of metastatic breast cancer is really helpful and focusing on quality of life for women with metastatic breast cancer and their loved ones because there's so much that we should be and can be offering them um, in the way of support and other things. In our clinic, we um, the first time patients come in, they actually see, uh, of course, the medical oncologist, but also they see a dietitian, um, a physical therapist. Uh, one of our clinical psychologists that specialize with oncology, um, social worker, all those, you know, extra things of spiritual um, care chaplain. We, we try to focus on the whole person. And so those are very much a big part of, you know, providing that quality of life support for people and getting that baseline out of the gate and then trying to support all those needs throughout their journey. Definitely. So I know that we have a, a patient clip that we're going to be showing um, as well, having some messages for clinicians um, in light of, you know, metastatic breast cancer. Do you have any other messages for clinicians um, you'd like to share that people should know about when they're when they're treating patients with MBC? Yeah, I'd like to discuss that. I want to say about the patient, um, it was very important to her in her legacy videos that she's been creating that she had some messages for providers for um, and for other patients going through metastatic breast cancer. Make sure to ask your patients what their goals are. That will help you with the treatment plan and you can give different options to somebody by their goals. But if you don't talk to them, you don't get to know them. With NBC, you need a personal relationship. If you do not ask those goals, you're not going to get them, and you are not giving the best treatment to the patient because you don't know what they want. They want different things, so there are different options. Every journey is different. I think one of the things around all this is that we have to start to reframe that conversation around metastatic breast cancer. And so you ask yourself, well, what do you mean by that? Like who, for example? You know, I think there's 
there's probably um, a number of people, the care team. I mean, there's a lot of things with that, and we're going to talk about those just a tiny bit. Family, friends, others such as coworkers, um, you know, civic groups that they're part of, church groups, that type of thing, um, in that patient's um, sphere of influence, um, spouse or significant other, and ultimately, too, with their self. Because that can become a very circular uh, conversation with yourself of keeping out of despair, but also redefining hope. And so I think that one of the first challenges can be with the, um, you know, with the medical team, that there can be some changes in how those conversations uh, take place. You know, always communication can be a challenge for all of us, right? And so, um, you know, in the past, you know, a lot of times the uh, medical oncologist was the one driving everything. And I think we're getting more and more, more um, you know, helping patients to be more involved in their care, shared decision-making as part of that, and being able to have those conversations with their oncologist and, you know, avoiding, you know, as, as providers, we have to remember patients don't know. So we can't use that vague or, you know, um, vague language or overly technical medical language, because that can be very difficult for patients to understand. So we have to make that clear so that they're not going home and Googling all those words that they don't know. And I think just even how we use certain words like respond or cure or hope. I mean, those are some of those conversations that, um, you know, between the caregiver and the um, and the patient that we have to continue to work on and reframing those conversations so that there is really focused on the goals of the patient. I think the second thing with family and friends is that we expand those conversations um, about metastatic breast cancer, even in providing them resources um, and information, education that will help them in their own understanding uh, of metastatic breast cancer. I can't tell you how many times I've had a husband or a caregiver say, I didn't really know what metastatic meant. And so it's helping them understand that and expanding that conversation and giving them that, giving them that support they need. And I really find that women with metastatic breast cancer um, become the teachers of others. So they're teaching those around them. When someone says to them, you know, I, oh, well, you look great. I think there's that component that they are um, teaching them about you know, that this is not curable. They think that, you know, sometimes people think that they're done with treatment. And so I do think they become the teachers um, of other people around them. Helping patients, um, helping patients, you know, process um, and reframe their own negative emotions. And I'm not talking about toxic positivity, like, oh, you have to be positive all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with the um, work of Carol Reed Ash. Uh, but she had written a book about, um, you know, those conversations that we have and redefining hope. And she actually came up with these four stages of hope. And um, I've always really liked this. You know, she said, you know, there's a phase one, hope for a miracle cure. Phase two, hope for long life with quality of life. Phase three, hope for a shorter life, but with quality of life. And then five, hope for a good death. And I, I don't think that those are necessarily sequential, just like the stages of grief. You know, you kind of move from one stage to the other from um, as time goes. 
But in this way, too, as we see new, new novel therapies coming out, sometimes um, these will change over time for patients. But ultimately, helping them redefine hope. And, you know, that word gets thrown around a lot. And so that's something I have a lot of conversations with patients about is, um, is their hope and making those hopes realistic, but also uh, never taking away hope because hope is possible throughout the journey. Mm-hmm. Great. That's all really awesome messages uh, for raising awareness about MVC and, and reframing the conversation. So I guess as we as we wrap up, any parting words or messages you'd like to share? I think the the, the main message I want to say is just to, um, as for clinicians and then also for people in, that have metastatic breast cancer, just understanding that that experience is different and much different than early stage breast cancer. I've learned so much from my patients. They taught me so much over the years. And, you know, one patient um, recently when we had this conversation, she was saying, you know, I, I hear um, in, when I'm in the infusion area, the um, people get to ring the bell. And she said, you know, I'm never going to get to ring the bell because I'm never going to be done with treatment. So what she did, she got a bell for her kitchen, and every morning when she gets up and goes down to the kitchen and gets her coffee, she rings that bell because she said, you know, I with with NBC, I'm not going to get to ring the bell in infusion, but I every day I'm ringing that bell because I'm going to live today. And I think it's helping patients to live well, to live with hope, and to um, continue to live life and to do the things, helping them achieve their goals. And Ultimately, you know, some of the some sometimes that you know it 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 is um, the patient with the bell. She said, you know, actually, I am grateful for what I've learned and for what I've gained through having metastatic breast cancer. You know, that kind of a, a statement doesn't happen overnight. I think that there's a process to getting to that. So I think we need to listen as clinicians. We listen as providers, and. Um, really have those conversations, not only with the patient, but with their loved ones as well. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, these are all, you know, fantastic words and pieces of advice. So thank you so much for coming on today and kind of reframing, you know, how we look at MVC, especially in October. So thank you again for coming on today. It was really great to talk with you and hear about all of this. Thank you for having me.